0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster. Well, chapter three, there we go. It says, let the nations be wakened. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar with from Zion. And utter His voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. But the Lord will be a shelter for His people. And the strength of the children of Israel. Father, we just come before You. We thank You and we declare to You how great is our God. How great is our God. Name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Father, roar from Zion, but be a shelter to your people. Lord, keep us in your presence. Keep us by your power. And Lord, may your name be made great today in our world, in our culture. And Lord, will you pour out your presence upon us this day. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. Hadn't it been a great morning? It's good to see you, and it's good for all of you that are joined us by online, by internet. We're so excited for you to be a part of that. This has been a new experience for us, but, uh, but it's a blessing. Pastor Chris, over the last two weeks, has shared about a new thing out of Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. It says this, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to tag on to that theme this morning. Uh, and to be honest with you, I couldn't wait for today to get here. Uh, I realize that we're in a crazy time, but I'm more excited about the possibilities of this day, and I'm talking about this day, than I've ever been. Not because we've gathered together and we finally get to be back in in in-person services, or even not because I'm getting to preach today. I'm excited because today is Pentecost. Pentecost. And I can hear some of you saying... So what? And there is. I believe that we are in an incredible spiritual season going on right now, and we get the advantage of living in it. At the beginning of the year, this year, I felt the Lord was saying, This is not just going to be a normal new year. And I said, You're right, God. It's going to be a new decade. And He said, No, it's not even going to be a new decade. And then he said something that I didn't really understand, and I think I'm beginning to see it more clearly. He said, this is going to be a beginning of a new era, a new era, uh, and that's just kind of hard to define. So I've been seeking him since that time, and, uh, and you know, it hadn't been near as hard in 2020 as saying things are going to be different, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You have to admit 2020's not been uh, pastor Chris said you know those people that had a five year plan in two thousand and fifteen didn't count on twenty twenty you know you a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, and we are right now in the middle of a i believe one of the most probably a spirit one of the most important spiritual shifts that's been uh, in a long time, maybe even in history. Now, 2020, I always loved numbers. I loved uh, to to do those kind of things. I love how God uses numbers. Like 40, 40 years, 40 days, that's a lot in Scripture. 20 is a lot in Scripture. Did you know that? 20 years, it was a waiting time. And and 20 was the mark of completion. In other words, when you got to 20, things changed. It's all through the Scripture, Old Testament and New. And after 20 years, certain things happen. certain things happen. 2020, for me, is about vision. That's what the word means to me. It's vision, perfect vision. And uh, But this also is the Jewish year on the Jewish calendar. It's 5780. And it's a start of a new decade and, I believe, a start of a new era. And I will explain that a little bit. So 2020 and 5780, for the first time in a long, long time, Those two seasons, the Gregorian calendar and the Jewish calendar, kind of overlap. They come together. 5780, in the Hebrew, it's done with one word. It's, It's one letter, and it's called pay. Where 2020 is vision, 5780 has the word of the mouth, or the voice, or speaking. So see and say. And the overlapping. Now, there's one other one It's just cause numbers. But if you add 5, 7, 5 plus 7 plus 8 plus 0 equals 20. Huh. I know. Some of you, how many of you graduated math? You say, preacher, what difference does that make? Here's one of the more important to me. For the first time in a long, long time, the alignment of the Jewish feasts and... Our calendar and our celebrations have overlapped. In other words, when Passover was Jewish Passover, it was the Passover we celebrate. When Pentecost was Pentecost for the Jew, it's Pentecost for us. The the overlapping, and uh, that didn't make much difference until the pandemic hit. The pandemic, the COVID nineteen hit. And suddenly, this began to have a lot more emphasis in my life. You realize that the pandemic has come along and it shook the systems of the world. Now, we know it shook America. But here's the thing you've got to understand. It shook, it is shaking the world. Right now, the world is in a time of reset. Reset. They're resetting on their on their medical, but they're resetting on their financial. They're resetting. Everything's in a kind of a time where nations are literally changing how they're going to be doing things. There's a shift. And right in the middle of this, we had Passover. And Passover was different this year. Now, listen to me. For the first time in generations. Now according to the Jewish calendar. It was 3,333 years ago. That the Passover was literally celebrated. What that meant was. That the Passover. They got in their house. They quarantined in their house. Asking God to deliver them from a plague. That was going to be passing through. Remember? For the first time since that one. All the world not only celebrate, in fact, it wasn't a celebration, they observed Passover again. All of Israel were quarantined in their house praying for a plague to Passover. All American. It is documented that one million, how you know, because they can do it online. There was over one million Zoom. Different kind of internet get get together on the day of Passover. They were celebrating in their homes. Celebrating. If that was one million connections, can you imagine how many people that represented over the world? So literally this year, after 3,333 years, a literal Passover was observed. That got me excited because if it was a literal Passover, can you imagine what it would be if it's a literal Passover? Pentecost? And as I began to pray, in fact, Pastor Chris, he was supposed to be preaching today, and he let me preach uh, because of what God was showing me. And I want to share with you what I believe uh, could happen if this is a literal Pentecost. Now, I don't have time to waste, so let me just explain some things to you. Pentecost is literally, okay, there's Passover, Passover. There's first fruits. These are the feast of Israel. Passover, first fruits. Then the feast of weeks or Pentecost is fifty days after first fruits. Okay, let me show you how it overlaps. Jesus died on Passover, paid for our sins. The beginning of first fruits was when he was raised from the dead. Easter. Fifty days later is Pentecost. Pentecost was the celebration. First fruits was the celebration of the early barley harvest. Pentecost is the celebration of the wheat harvest. Now just let me just throw something in I didn't say in the first service. Wheat is when God divides the wheat from the tares. Pentecost is a time of demarcation. A kind of marking off. And Pentecost this year is the same time as the Jewish Pentecost. Pentecost was also used in history as marking a change or a shift to a new spiritual era. Not error, era, age. A new spiritual age. The first Pentecost celebrated that the Jews still celebrate Pentecost today, was after Moses had received the law on Mount Sinai and had delivered it to the people. And they celebrated Pentecost. And so Pentecost has been known for Jewish as the day they received the Torah, the law. And they celebrate the Torah on Pentecost. I want you to understand. What that did was, that was a change in the spiritual era of how god was going to deal with mankind god had been dealing with mankind but he chose him out of people in abraham they went for 430 years in bondage and god delivered them out of egypt and they crossed over the passover and then they crossed over and then they got the law on mount sinai and god had instituted a new way that he was going to deal with mankind In other words, I'm going to mark you off as a people and you're going to show the world what it is to be a people after God. And so he gave them the law. And this is how God was going to deal with the people. That was a cultural shift in how God had done since the time of Adam. The next time there was a cultural shift in how God was going to deal with with mankind was in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we know that Pentecost is when God poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. But what you've got to understand is that that Passover and that Pentecost was different. That Passover, Jesus, at the end of that, fe- that Seder meal, He took a cup and he, he instituted a new covenant. A new covenant that was going to be through His blood. And then he was going to go to the cross. In fact, the next, he went from the Passover, he went into a rest and ultimately died on Friday. You understand that that was a literal Passover again. And then, after he arose from the grave, he appeared 40 days to his disciples, convincing them he was alive. And then he ascended to the Father and we come to Acts chapter 1. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 1, we're going to share with you, uh, kind of something that's probably really familiar to most of you, but I want to use it today in maybe a little bit different way. Acts chapter 2. God again poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh and it It instituted or introduced a new era of how he would interact with his people. He was coming to live in a new temple and he wrote the law not on the tablets of stone but now on the hearts of the followers of Christ. And now God had marked them off as being a people different in how he was going to deal with mankind. It was no longer going to be just the Torah. Now it was going to be a new covenant through the blood and the spirit of God. The first one when they had the law. The second one at the Pentecost when he poured out his spirit. What would happen if today is another spiritual shift in how God's going to be dealing with mankind? Getting us ready for his coming again. What if there was a Another shift in the kingdom. What if today God wants to change the face of Christianity the way we've known it? Now it's not about receiving another Holy Spirit. But what if God could awaken us and fill us afresh for a new era in His kingdom. To activate a harvest of souls to empower and deploy His church in a new power and a new way. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, it says that when this new thing happens, rivers will flow through the desert. You do know what happens when a river flows through a desert. Everything comes to life. Everything turns green. It's new again. And I want you to understand that what if today, what if today there is going to be a shift in the culture of the church. Now here's the one thing I want you to know. It's already shifting. But what if today God wants to baptize us with a fresh fire? Would that be okay with you? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let me show you what I'm seeing. Acts one eight, Jesus said, just as John truly baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days for it. And then he says, the promise of the Father is this. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, until the end of the earth. It's very familiar. I know you know that. But I want us to see it a little different. And then I want you to turn over to chapter 2. Look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, this was ten days after Jesus ascended. They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there, was a, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. A sound, pay, a voice as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to listen to me. When I'm talking about Pentecost being a shift today, I'm not talking or about a fresh baptism. I'm not talking about another provision of the Holy Spirit. He came. He's already come. There's no need for Him to come again because He's here. Dunamis power is available in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're born again, if you're a new creation. So I'm not talking about a repeat of that Pentecost. But I am talking about a literal shift in the kingdom. A shift where there's a marking off or a distinction between the people of God and the people of this world. Now, folks, listen to me. A change has already taken place. You've seen it. You've been watching online. Here's the thing I saw about this whole time since, since the March, well, since the COVID thing. And we've been doing the online services. All of a sudden, I saw one church with one voice. We were saying the same thing. It wasn't about denomination, about this or that. There was a... Everybody... And what is it, Forrest Gump? And just like that, we all became televangelists. Who would think this is not a face for television? Nor this southern drawl for radio. Here's the point I'm trying to say to you. All of a sudden, God forced everybody in one place, it with one voice. Things have shifted. Now folks, listen, there's a lot of people saying, I'll be glad when we get, go back to the normal. I'm not sure we're ever going back to that normal. We've got to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church now. In fact, listen to me, you don't put new wine in old wine skins. You put new wine in new wine skins. You couldn't put the, the second shift of Pentecost back into the first shift of the Old Covenant. You can't put the two back together. One has become obsolete. There's another one. And listen to me. Now we live in the, the enablement of the New Covenant. But if there's a shift that God is going to do to prepare us to change the way the church... Folks, listen. What if it's Him cleaning up His bride? What if it's getting His bride ready for His coming? that be okay with you? Y'all not near as excited as I am. <laughs> Everything has been shaking. I can't tell you how many times we've been on, or Pastor Chris especially, been on these Zoom calls with everybody saying, how are you, you going to open up? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And here's the thing. You better be listening to what God's saying. This is about the Spirit. This is about what God is doing. There's also been a shaking and a reset taking place in the church as we know it. The new, I believe, has come. I don't know that we understand it, but it's come. And... and God is giving us the opportunity for a new wine skin. I'm not just talking about online church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that the church is now being challenged to wake up and to stand up. So I'm going to tell you three things that we need to awaken to. First, we need to awaken to the presence of God. Now, here's the word. the God gave me that word, awaken. I said, you mean awakening? And he said, no, you're not there yet. Before there can be an awakening, you've got to wake up. It's high time we wake up. You see, what we we tend to do is we tend to believe every, what everything else is saying. And we're not waking up to what God is saying. Wake up. Wake up first to the presence of God. Acts two four says this. And they were in one place. They were filled With the Holy Spirit. The word filled means that they were thoroughly furnished and supplied with the person of the Holy Spirit who is himself God. In other words, the Holy Spirit came to be in each one of them. You remember there appeared tongues of fire over everyone's head? Fire is representative of God's presence. What it meant was is that God wasn't just present in the room. He was present for every one of them. God was present. They were filled. They were thoroughly furnished. There wasn't, and it's Pleru, there wasn't anything left out. They got all of Him. The Apostle Paul says it this way. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now, I know you've heard that verse, but I want to show you something that perhaps you haven't seen. You are the temple. Now, if you said a temple to a Jew, everybody knew what that was. There was the temple grounds that was set apart as holy to God. There was the outer court, then there was the inner court, and there were the holy of holies. Here's the thing that was different. There was a different word used for the temple grounds as was we used for the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the mercy seat was, where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt above the mercy seat, where it's one time a year the high priest could go in and make atonement for the sin of Israel, for the sin of the world. The Holy of Holies, and the, the word for the temple mount, outer court, inner court, holy holies, all inclusive was Heron. The word for the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was, where the presence of the fire of God was, was naon. Guess which word Paul used when he says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Naon. He literally is saying that the Holy Spirit, you are the Holy of Holies of the Holy Spirit of God. You are where the Shekinah glory is. Your heart is the holy of holies. Don't you know? Now, if we would wake up to the presence of God in our life, I don't mean, yeah, He's with me. No. I am literally the container, the, con- the one who literally, He lives in me by His Spirit thanks to that Pentecost. I think what we need is a Pentecost that awakens us to who's here. Do you think you'd be really fearful if you knew that the God of all creation lived in you? Listen, we've bought a bill of goods. Here's the thing. Most of us are fearful that He's not with us. Most of us, let's just be honest, are fearful that I haven't done enough. That I didn't, and maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't pray the right prayer. Maybe I didn't get it. Listen to me. He poured out on all of them. Jesus literally made the way for you to be the temple, the Holy of Holies of the Holy Spirit. He's not leaving anybody out if you will receive Jesus. If you'll let Him be your Savior, if you will make Him, in other words, if you'll let Him be the Lord of creation, the Lord of who He is, and you become a new creation in Him, the Holy Spirit of God now dwells in you. What's your excuse? we got to wake up to the presence of God. You could literally say this verse is, don't you know that your body's the holy of holies of God, the Holy Spirit who is in you? Second is, we've got to awaken to the power of God. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. Now, folks, listen to me. That's not the power most of us think. Most of us think it's the power to do. And it does include that. But let me, just, let me tell you a little Bible stuff. The disciples had already been given authority, power, right? When he sent out the 70, he said, go heal the sick, deliver, cast out demons, and raise the dead. They already had a power that most of us are looking for. They had it before Pentecost, well, what power is He going to give them? The word dunamis doesn't just mean power or the ability to do. It means inherent power. The power God wanted to give them was power of His presence that literally now their nature exuded His dunamis. He was in them. He was living through them. And you're going to see it in just a minute. They got a power that was inherent to them. It wasn't that Peter suddenly got a power and did something. Peter now had a power residing in him that he could stand up and do something. If we don't wake up to the presence of the God, we won't wake up to the power of God. Let me, I'm not telling you, and here's the thing I want to say over and over again. I'm not saying you have to work up anything. I'm not telling you to work up, you've got to get ready, you've got to get right, you got to do... I'm just telling. You, there's a holy surprise that's available to us. He's present and He's powerful. Okay. I've got to go on. It's inherent power. Power by virtue of its nature. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power. The message translation says, God's way is not a matter of mere talk, it's an empowered life. We've gotten far too comfortable with presenting a kingdom that comes only in words. Let me tell you, don't we love when you sit under a real anointed teacher and that teacher can explain things and it just makes it all come to life and it's just such good to have a good teacher. But let me tell you something, it's better to have the teacher. Let me just... See, we've gotten too comfortable to think that if I can explain it, I've got it. Or if I know the words to use, then that means I'm somebody. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is not just about words. It's about demonstration. It's about activation. It's about power. Dunamis, inherit power. When Jesus said something, it happened, right? I want you to understand. God wants you to live in such a way that when you see it and you say it, it takes place. Okay. We've got to wake up to the power of God. Then third, we've got to wake up to the witness of the Spirit. You shall be witnesses to me. A witness is somebody who sees and says... The disciples didn't just stand up and give a historical witness to Jesus. Don't you listen to me. They didn't say, you know, we know this guy. He lived with us for three years. You crucified him on a cross. He's really the Christ. You ought to believe in him. That wasn't their witness. Their witness is all of a sudden they saw and they stood up and said... It's in Acts chapter two verses fourteen through forty i 'm not going to read it. Thank me <laughs> I want you to see I want you to see they're good they're in the room the tongues come they're speaking and then Peter steps up and he begins to say what he's seeing and i don 't believe Peter had studied out Joel and had studied out the scripture. I think suddenly. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he saw the Scripture. He saw what it meant. He saw what was taking place and he began to say it. This is that which Joel prophesied. Your old men will dream dreams. Your your daughters and sons will see visions. He's seeing it. You see, what I'm talking about, you're seeing it, I'm not talking about, you think, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. No, it's, oh wow, this is that, this is that. And suddenly Peter stands up, now I love this, he begins to tell, he's teaching. but if you look at verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, and I'm not going to read it to you, but it says, he went on a long time. He just kept seeing and saying, seeing and saying, seeing and saying. He talked about who he was according to David. He he just was seeing and saying. He began to tell it all. all. of a sudden, here's the witness. Suddenly he saw supernaturally and he began to speak supernaturally. That's the witness of the Spirit. 2020, see? 5780, Say. See and say. They gave a supernatural witness. Their seeing was spiritual. Their saying was spiritual. You remember in the Old Testament the ten spies, the twelve spies that went to spy out the promised land? Ten came back, and what'd they say? There's giants! Two came back, and what'd they say? There's grapes! One saw the size of the enemy, the other saw the size of the provision. The greatness of the promise. Let me tell you the witness of the spirit's not going to be seeing what everybody's wrong and how wrong everybody is and going to be seeing the negative. The seeing of the spirit suddenly going to see what God's doing in the midst of all of this. And then when you start to see, you can say. And with that saying comes the transformation. Of those that are hearing. Because it's not what you're saying. It's what the Spirit is saying to the church. Does this make sense? The shift that I think is coming today. I'm just, I'm just going to. I'm that confident. That God is literally going to do this. That God is going to shift us. From seeing naturally to seeing spiritually. And shift us from saying. Speaking what we think. To speaking what the Spirit is saying. Let me just tell you this. I got this uh, earlier, and then I listened to somebody else speak, and he had it a lot better than me. But one of the things that the Spirit was saying to me as I was preparing this, he says, you're going to be speaking as by the Spirit. And I didn't really understand that. You're going to be speaking as, you know, and usually when we talk about Pentecost, everybody wants to major on the tongues, right? Well, you're going to, oh, preacher, going to talk about Tongues. Let me just tell you this. I am going to talk about tongues, but not the way you think. Suddenly, I saw something different. God is saying, Seek, speak as by the Spirit. That's what I saw in it. It wasn't that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? It's different. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance, and on that day, it was in tongues. They spoke. What if we speak... As the Spirit gives us utterance. But our languages are going to be words to business, words to government, words to entertainment, words to education, words to building buildings. What if suddenly God is going to give us a spiritual language to speak into what is already in our culture that will define and direct and will literally transform what we're speaking to? That doesn't mean it will always be received, but what it will mean is when it is received, it will transform businesses, government, agriculture. You can just name all of the culture that we think... What if God is to spiritually give us words... By which we can speak. And we don't even have to understand them. That will literally clarify and demonstrate and document something that the Spirit is doing in our day. I want that. It's not about me learning enough to speak into it. It's about me being available to the Holy Spirit that He knows. That He can say. I can see And I can say, and I can be a witness of God. Let me tell you what I think this means right now. The biggest change for those at that Pentecost wasn't what they knew or even what they said. The biggest change was the level of spiritual power that they had of courage. Here's why I say that. The, the apostles had been hiding in a room. They'd been hiding out. And suddenly the Spirit comes on them and they step up. Up front. They step out. And they speak up. What difference did that make? God literally gave them something and an assurance, a freedom. And I'm going to use the word boldness. That they could step out into the fullness of what God had for them. I believe that there is available to us today a baptism, a baptism of boldness. What will that look like? I believe it'll be. I hope it looks like Acts chapter two. Suddenly, verse chapter four, Acts four. I've got to get through here. I really do. Turn into Acts four, verse eight. This. In Acts chapter 4, Peter goes up and somebody, a lame man said, to, begging. And he says, to go have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He gets in trouble. Have you ever gotten in trouble for what you said? He gets in trouble. And now they call him in before the Sanhedrin. Now, folks, here's, here's the thing. These are the Sanhedrin that crucified Jesus. These are the ones that put Jesus on the cross. And now they call them in. Now, I will to show you what they say. Look at the first word. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has done has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This stone, now here he's seeing something in the Scripture. This stone, which was rejected by you builders, which has been become, he has become the chief cornerstone. Now there is salvation in, there is, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." Suddenly, Peter stands up. Now, remember, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. And now he's standing in front of the ones who killed Jesus, saying, be it known to you, what could that be but boldness? Boldness. What is boldness? Let me give you the definition. It is the free and fearless confidence. It's cheerful courage. It's assurance. It's the deportment by which one becomes conspicuous. It's the supernatural confidence that burned in their hearts, that compelled them to speak up regardless of the cost. And they did pay. They went to prison. They thrown into stocks. You know what they responded with? Joy. Joy. Let me just say this, we have all the resources necessary to be all that God intends. What holds us back from stepping out of our comfort zones is our own fear and self-doubt. The Holy Spirit wants to baptize us this morning with a fresh fire to pour out upon us a holy boldness into us as a church to unleash kingdom authority right in the middle of our culture. The deliverance we've prayed for and transformation we long for is about to explode through us. I believe this Pentecost is much more than an increase in signs and wonders. And those things may happen. But I believe what God needs to do to us is baptize us in a boldness that stops being afraid of everything and starts standing up for Jesus Christ. How's that happening? Verse 29 of that same chapter. They had to let them go. They had to let them go because they couldn't deny what had happened. And they went back to the other disciples and they began to pray. Now look at verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want you to stand together with me. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to say. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray it in phrases. If you want to pray this prayer, I invite you to pray it after me. Okay. And what well, I'm just going to and I'm just telling you, I'm going to pray what they prayed, but I'm going to put it in, in my words. And we're going to pray and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to do for us a Pentecost that's meant for us. So here it is. If you want to lift up your hands, if you want to bow to the knees, I don't care what you are, however you want to express. Just repeat after me. Lord, we ask you to baptize us with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Fill us with a fresh fire of presence and power for Your name's sake. Grant us boldness to speak as by Your Spirit. Stretch forth Your hand and heal. Signs and wonders, may they be done through You in the name of Jesus Christ. Shake this place. Shake my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make me conspicuous for the glory of the King and His kingdom. Now just receive. Come, Holy Spirit. All this week, I've been hearing one word, expectancy, expectancy, expectancy. And I said, God, you know, a lot of times when I expect something, it doesn't happen, and I'm disappointed. He just kept saying expectancy. And then last night as I was finishing this message, here's what the Lord just said. Expect to see. Expect to see. Walk out of here expecting to see. Thank you for listening to this week's message.